So my name's Dana. I'm a, a nurse and a mom. I currently work in corrections I've, uh, as a nurse, and I've worked as a nurse in the psychiatric ED and labor and delivery and psychiatry throughout uh, 20 years. I'm also on the, um, I'm the Colorado representative for Moms United to end the war on drugs, and I'm the health communications coordinator for Families for Sensible Drug Policy. So that's a bit about who I am. Um, it's great that so many people showed up. It has me a little nervous. Um, I'm curious, how many nurses do we have in the room? Oh gosh, that's great. How many ED nurses? Oh, I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you for showing up. It's awesome. So, I think I'll begin by telling you a bit, just a, a one night story. I worked 12 hour nights in the Psych ED. Um, this was late 90s. And I probably had a, a gentleman with schizophrenia, another woman who was manic bipolar and really busy and had a lot going on. And um, someone comes into my Psych ED who had um, substance use disorder, which we didn't call it that at the time, um, but someone who was using IV drugs. And right away we diagnosed him as malingering and looking for a place to get off the streets because it was cold that night. Um, he was the last person that I saw. I took care of everything that my other patients needed and I gave them all my empathy and this man um, didn't get any of that from me because he was a drug user and he did this to himself and he got what he deserved and he's taking my time and there were other people with real issues that I needed to see how dare him and that was my attitude and it's something that for the rest of my life I make an amends for and Yet I do get, um, from a healthcare provider perspective, from a nursing perspective, um, sometimes we need a scapegoat. What we do is very, very stressful, and we get compassion fatigue. And who better than the person who did this to themselves to, to get the brunt of that? Um, and I don't know that we always, I have to speak for myself, I didn't realize at that time just how inhumane I was being. Actually, I think I thought it was helping a little bit. If I was shameful enough, if I gave you a hard enough time, maybe you'd get it. Maybe you'd start making a different decision and turn your life around. So that was mid-90s. And I'll fast forward to just, Oh, four or five years ago, I was the mom in a local emergency department here in the Denver area, bringing my, or coming, rushing to meet my son who had overdosed in Civic Center Park. There were multiple overdoses that day, um, all in the, in the same park. An ambulance wasn't called for him, someone else happened to see him on a bench while they were responding to another overdose. I show up, I look at the monitor, my son's blood pressure is in the 70s over the 30s, and a doc came in 
and began shaking my son, who was barely conscious, asking him if he was ready to leave, that it was time for him to go. And when I walked in the door, I noticed that there were some patient education brochures that had just been placed on his chest as he was unconscious. And he was being shaken, told, being told it was time to go. And I asked this physician, what about his blood pressure? Oh, that's fine. I get that all the time. I have patients with real problems who need this room. And how many people in the room are moms? <laughs> Do you get that mom thing where you could just go off on somebody? I was there. And um, I didn't end up in jail that night, luckily. I didn't lay hands on anyone, but I did get in front of the door. And I told this doctor, you will get back there. You will get back to that bedside. That is my son. That is a human being. Um, and I wanted to start there because since that day, I've, I've hoped and hoped and hoped that I could talk to a room full of healthcare providers. So I'm so, I, I just can't tell you how thankful I am to, to be here tonight. So my son um, began using heroin at age 16. He was, previous to that, he was caught in school with pot and sent to a court-ordered 12-step program. Um, for teens. And in this program, um, he met someone who introduced him to heroin. That was his introduction, was shooting up in a church basement bathroom. Um, I did everything that I learned from working as a psych nurse. Um, tried to get him help. We went to multiple rehabs. He ran from rehabs. Again and again, the third or fourth rehab, I was so desperate, we didn't know what to do. We talked to a counselor who said, he has to hit bottom. The only thing you could do, the only way you're gonna help your son is if you let him just hit the streets. You, you've gotta just let go. All you're doing, by even giving him an, a, a roof, is enabling him. Well, we tried everything else. So, left my son sitting on the edge of a highway off this uh, country road near this, this picturesque rehab. And lo and behold, within two hours, he managed to find a ride, got back downtown, and was using again. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of, of a long, many years of really um, doing this tough love approach because I was told that if I did anything else for him, I was enabling him, I was going to make the situation worse. Um, most parents are told that when rehabs fail. And that's part of why I think so many of our kids end up living on the streets and end up in worse condition than they would be otherwise. And it got so bad that at one point, my son had worn through his shoes and had horrible sores on his feet. And I was in turmoil with myself trying to decide whether or not to doctor his feet or if that would be too enabling. So I got a real wake-up call when I hadn't heard from him in three or four weeks, and I'd been calling morgues. I was afraid he was dead. I, was, I, I became really desperate, and I went downtown and started walking the streets wherever I thought he might be talking to other kids about his age, kids, 
maybe they were 20, but to me, those are kids. 22, they're still kids. Um, and these are kids just like my son. Um, and for a regular looking person walking down the street and, ta and stopping to talk to them, I got so many shocked looks that day, like, oh my gosh, someone's actually treating me as a human being. Um, and I got a real look at how much shame was internalized, how much of that stigma was internalized to the point that people would be so hesitant to ask for help. Um, so on that journey and searching for my son, um, someone told me I should t check out the Harm Reduction Center, that maybe they knew where he was, and if nothing else, they could at least get me naloxone. So when I saw him, I, I could get that to him to try to make sure he didn't overdose again. And or make sure that there was help for him if he overdosed again. So I walked into the harm reduction center and saw needles and cookers and all sorts of supplies and met with the staff there. And I was amazed at how many smiles I, I saw, how many people um, were actually asking questions openly and getting help with issues that they had. By the same token, I was reading through one of the booklets um, that actually talked about how to shoot up safely and where to find the best sources of water and that kind of thing. And I went home and cried and I was pissed and I couldn't believe that these people were trying to teach my son how to shoot up. How is that going to help? And it, it took me, even as a nurse, understanding that that would prevent disease and infection and everything else, it took me a little bit to swallow that. But it wasn't until much later that I really, really, really came to understand this even differently, uh, so far as what harm reduction is about meeting people where they are. My son had, was incarcerated for a while for a good long time, so I thought he'd get out and be okay. Within 48 hours of leaving jail, he was using again. And um, one time before he went out, I had naloxone, I made sure he had it, and I had to talk with him about how to use safely and ask him to please not use alone and to make sure that he had this and that someone else knew how to use it. And what I saw from my son in that moment was his face went white and he cried and he still went out, took the naloxone, he still went out and he still used that night, but his whole attitude was different. Rather than being gone for three weeks and me not knowing where he was and him showing up three weeks later, 30 pounds underweight, he came back the next morning. Um, there was an openness that hadn't been there before. And taking that approach with my son, within a matter of days, he came to me asking for help. He, he asked about getting on medication-assisted treatment, which I wouldn't have even considered years before, that I think he was too afraid to ask me for help in getting. And from that process, it's now coming up on a year and a half. My son's been heroin-free. He's working. He's looking at going to school. He's He's 23 and he's starting over. And gosh, if I could 
give any word of advice or caution or a couple things. We need to engage people who use drugs from the moment they're using drugs to when they want to get help through when they actually get this help. There's this idea that we can't engage them until they are ready, but we're, in doing that, we're pushing people further in, into shame and further into stigma and making it less likely that they will get the help that they need. Um, treatment's important, different types of treatment, evidence-based treatment's important, prevention's important, yet when someone is using initially, the harm reduction approach, meeting someone where they're at, we need that. We need to not abandon people when they need us the most. That's one thing. And the other thing is we really, really need to address as healthcare providers, how our own attitudes about addiction, our own attitudes especially about IV drug use, and um, our own interactions and how, how we choose to interact with, with folks. Um, I'm so glad there's so many ER folks here tonight and I hope you really hear this because I can tell you this much, my son, um, you are his front, you are his, you are, you're on the front line for him. And at least six or seven times in the process of the years that he was struggling and living on the street, you were the one place he had another human to interact with that wasn't on the street. And you have such an important job um, and you, you could do so much to reach these folks in a positive way. So that's what I have, thank you.